Welcome to the official DevSlopes podcast, where we talk tech, code, jobs, freelancing, apps, startups, and more. This is the place to be if you want to upgrade your career, start that amazing app idea, learn to code, and take your skills to a whole new level. In this podcast, I interview interesting people in the world of tech, talking about their successes. We had a couple million active users, though. And their failures. Really, really challenging for me at first. I'm Mark Walbeck, your host, and let's talk tech. We have with us here today, Alan Hill. Alan is a veteran programmer and has worked in many languages. From embedded software to government contracts to building apps, Alan has done it all. Now, over the last few years, Alan has dedicated his career to Android development, building mobile apps for news, food, sports, streaming, medical, hospitality, and more. The chances are, if you're using a smartphone, you're probably using an app he's worked on. So welcome to the show, Alan. Thank you. It's great. <laughs> great to be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I love following you on, on Instagram. Uh, for those of you who are listening or watching, Alan makes some really amazing posts on, uh, on Android. And in fact, one of the very few Android influencers out there, which I, I think it's awesome what you're doing because uh, Android does not get enough love. Uh, there's thousands of Android developers throughout the world. And I love uh, the posts. I've watched you go from zero following to nearly 3,000 in just a matter of, uh, of months. And um, I love the controversial and boldness <laughs> uh, of your posts. You just kind of say things as they are. You don't necessarily take big sides, but you just call things as they, as you, as you see them. Like, what's the strategy? Just curious. Like what, what is your Instagram strategy? Basically that, because a lot of it for me is I've been in the industry for years now. And a lot of what I was taught and learned back in uh, mid 2000 something or other, I, I can't, I don't know what we're calling mid aughts, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was in school was, this is the path that you need to take, go and take it. And then um, the 2000 eight crash happened and that blew up in everybody's face. And I, I now here I am 10, 15 years later. And it's like, all right, this is not what the, they're teaching people. They're showing people the same stuff over and over again. And this is not the path that seems to be working. Yeah. This is not where we were at. Um, and, and I just look at it like, all right, I want to share my experiences with everybody and say, like what my latest one, you or latest controversial one is you don't really need college. You don't really need a degree. And that. my biggest, like, it doesn't sure you, if you want to go to college, go to college. That's cool. Go for it. It's awesome. But you end up spending a lot of money in it. You end up going into debt and you really don't, if you want to be a programmer, you really don't need it. You you can go and find a boot camp. Dev slopes is a great option Yeah, <laughs> for it. Yeah. You know, I, so I've been preaching this for a long time and, you know, I dropped out of college. You know, I, I wasn't cool like you would do all these amazing things for college. And so, you know, a lot of people hate on me because they're like, well, you just don't understand. You know, you got lucky. Like a lot of people are still having this battle, you know, and of course you don't have to go far to listen to Gary Vee where he talks about college being a negative ROI. But what I like about you is you went through the system and you're saying, don't use the system, yep. you know, not like. Not once, though. That's the crazy thing. I went through the system twice. Oh, really? I have two degrees, and oh. both of them, it just, it's like, you know what? I learned more on the job. I learned more doing something than I did actually through college. It's hilarious because it's like, yeah, sure, college is cool. You can go and you can learn a lot of really amazing technical stuff. Like linear algebra, I know... I learned a lot of linear algebra stuff okay. and okay, cool, fine matrices and multiplying a matrix and blah, blah, blah. I haven't used it once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there's, there's some merit to that. Of course there's, there's programming jobs out there, you know, that, yep. that have certain types of math required, but it's funny that you bring this up because I'm a programmer for many years too. I had a lot of success with it. I, I'm not a math guy. Like, I stopped learning math when they were like talking about fractions and multiplying, and dividing them. Like to this day, I cannot yeah. multiply and divide fractions. I just can't. I forget. And so it's funny that you know so much more than me, and we're both programmers though. Like do it yep. like in this in this industry. It's it's so interesting. I, I, gotta, I love that you bring that up. 
I got a great story for you because so I used to believe that um, programming or you sh you really should go to pro college. That's what I used to believe. Like, hey, let's go to college, go get our degrees. Let's uh, learn programming. That's the best way to go. Uh, you learn a whole lot of extra stuff. And then I ended up uh, working at this one company and I met a programmer and started working with him. And he started showing me all these amazing techniques uh, with uh, specifically with Android development, showing me how awesome, uh, some awesome things. And I was just blown away with his, uh, his uh, ability and his knowledge of the whole system and everything. Okay. I'm like, dude, where did you go to school? How, where did you learn all this stuff? He said, Oh, I, I went to school for philosophy. And I started teaching <laughs> school and i picked started picking it up on the side and i really loved it and i did a couple of projects and i ended up here and i'm like oh okay <laughs> and that's where it started that's where i my whole uh view of uh college and everything started uh transforming is i started meeting these people who like you either dropped out of college, didn't go to college for programming, went for went to it for something else, or just completely skipped yeah. college entirely and started learning all of it on, on their own. And they they knew more than me and they were much more experienced than I was. And it was like, it was amazing to, uh, an amazing transformation for my worldview because it's like, all right, <laughs> maybe it's not all that it's cracked up to be. And I started thinking about it and I started recognizing, and like you were saying, like I started looking at the system and I said, you know what? It may not necessarily be right. Yeah, that's great. It's great to, it's great to see things that way. I remember on one of my first jobs, um, you know, the, uh, the engineering manager, he was like, uh, you know, you know, just, it works just kind of like a, you know, think of a Turing machine. And I was like, I was like, what's a Turing machine? And he's like, he literally looks at me. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I have no idea what a Turing machine is. He's like, you don't know what a Turing machine is. How can you even be, he says to me, how can you even be a programmer if you don't know what a Turing machine is? And I'm just like, I don't know what a Turing machine is. I'm writing code, but I don't know what a Turing machine is, you know? And uh, you, so you come across an antiquated system and people who in the past who have been clinging on to you know, like putting us in buckets, right? Like, like you, yes. you're, if you do this, you're a programmer, if you do that, you're a programmer. And now like all of those things are just being, being broken up. Or now I've seen programmers who are designers slash programmers. Yes. And I've seen engineers who are just super amazing with code and math. And, you know, they're building amazing new programming languages. Like, it's like the whole world's opened up in what you can do. And some of those antiquated belief patterns are kind of starting to, to be crushed, which, oh, I, yeah. which is exciting. Yeah, it, it is. It's we live in an amazing time. That that's my a lot. Of, all right, so a lot of bad things have happened and are happening. A lot of we're not where we uh, where people want to get us to, but we live in such an amazing time. Like some people are freaking out about artificial intelligence coming in and taking over yeah. everything. And there are some programmers out there who talk about artificial intelligence coming in and uh, writing our, the code for us and anti uh, throwing us developers out and everything. And it's like, I don't like, that's cool. That like, <laughs> To me, I'm excited because it's like, this is amazing. We're, we're, we're progressing to a point where it, all of the old stuff that has been around, all of the old systems that have been around forever are just starting to fall apart a little bit by little bit. And it's just, and it's becoming better and better because it's like, great. Now I'm going to have time to be able to go and do a lot of the other stuff that just really excites me and makes me want to do what I want to, or what I do. So it's, I'm excited about what's coming up. It... Yeah, and it's it's always rapidly evolving too. Every, every single day, as soon as you learn something new, something something old breaks, and and you gotta yes. you gotta adapt. And you know that that actually brings a good point. So we talked about this before in the past on, on an interview, uh, but you know a lot of people right now, like just two days ago, someone's like. I was talking about mobile apps and why it's a good place to start a career because you can get in pretty quickly. And of course you can learn other things later on, but someone's like, mobile apps are dead. Everything's going web. You, anyone who's talking about mobile apps, you know, you're not going to have a job five years from now. You know, I was like, what? I was like, I just want to get your opinion on that. Like are, are mobile apps 
dead or, or what is what do they mean when they say that or, or what is your input on that i'm kind of up in the air about that type of stuff I, honestly okay so a lot of the big push now has been for uh progressive web apps which yes. basically it's these these uh it's basically a website that you convert into uh, an app that you can you can quote unquote install on a phone. You can launch it and and you can run every uh, everything that you want to do. But the problem that I tend to have with those is they're still in their infancy. You, yeah. you want to um like I've worked on streaming apps before. You want to start streaming stuff. You really want to take it full advantage of the hardware on the phone. You got to go native. You, you really need to go native. You're talking about like video, audio, streaming, things like yes, that. Yes. Yep. Uh, podcasting is a great like audio on a podcast. I ha a, the best way to do it is go native and run, run native stuff on it. So as it stands right now, I don't necessarily see those uh, taking over within the next couple of years. Five years from now, obviously things are going to be changing it because we're, we're constantly moving and, and going all over the place on stuff. But I don't. I don't see it happening because it's just the the nature of the web the the current uh, uh, current state of the web is that it doesn't have access to a lot of that native layer that we really that we have as Android and iOS developers native guys we can we have access to that web guys right. they have to go through so many different hoops to be able to get it um, yeah well and the more you add to a technology stack. You know the, the the slower just by nature of the slower yep. things the slower things are going to run whether it's a, a virtual machine whatever like the more you add on two things uh, just the slower it is and, and we're, you know speed becomes a very important issue like for instance um uh, TikTok anyone who's yeah. used TikTok app I am blown away like it, how fast it operates in fact it's one of the reasons why I I now start all my videos on TikTok and I just push them to Instagram and LinkedIn uh. because um, before, like on Instagram, like if you want to get someone's attention, you know, you have got you got to transpose titles on it, and then uh, you know the, the formatting's not right, and you got to adjust a little more for LinkedIn. Whereas now on TikTok, I can put titles and pop-ups and set the duration of things, and guess what? The entire one-minute video it compiles in like ten seconds or less. Ten seconds on the <laughs> hardware, like you don't there. That would not even be possible with any no. web technology, nope. and they have optimized it so fast that I can publish a sixty-second video with titles, pop-ups, images, filters, and publish it on all social media in less than two minutes. That is the power of native apps. Like yeah, that's yeah. insane. It is insane. It, it's awesome too. It's so cool to uh, to work with some of that stuff. Also, it's like. I, I get blown away with everything that keeps coming to us these days uh, from all of these guys. Uh, it's, oh, that's right. It's, so it's you, you, you work for a company that does uh, consulting or, or builds multiple apps, right? Yeah. Like, uh, so we like to call ourselves a client services company. Okay. Um, and I work with them. They We do we build apps for a wide variety of people out there. Um, as you said in the intro, uh, hospitality, uh, entertainment, movies, uh, restaurants, health, etc. Like we'll, we'll we'll build an app. the 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 general motto of the company is we will build an app for anybody that can get into the Apple App Store. So it doesn't matter. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's just an easier way to just lay out the blanket because yeah when you start sitting there and you start saying we're not going to build an app on this route and we're not going to build an app on that route you're going to start annoying and and you're, you're going to start annoying your employees so it's a lot easier to just say this is what apple allows uh. and this is what we are going to follow we are going to follow apple's guidelines because they're clear regardless of the platform keep it exactly simple. yep okay I and think, then you fit in there as an Android. So here you yes. are. You're an Android developer. Okay. So explain explain your your job, what you do, and what you spend all day. What you spend all day doing. I'm I'm really curious. Um, programming. <laughs> programming specifically in, in Android, Android, or do you have to do other things too? No, no. So I. All right. So my my main focus is Android engineering, and a lot of it is just I go in and I build. Um. So because it's client services, we uh, have. 
we, we tend to jump from project to project within a certain uh, time frame. Usually we're, we're transitioning to a different sta uh, status on that, but there's a lot of reasons for it or other reasons for it that I, I don't want to get into. Um, but the uh, so it's, the idea is you go and you work on a project for uh, six months to a year, and then you're able to jump to a different project and work okay. on that one for six months to a year. Uh, a lot of the reason why we try and do that is we want to spread around knowledge and we want to give people a lot of exposure to yeah. things, which is why I've worked on so many different um, apps out there. Is that core? Is that six months core features and then support, or is it handed off to a support team? Uh, depends. Honestly, okay. depends upon the contract and depends upon who we're working with. Uh, so right now, the project that I'm on, I've been working on for a year, and we are. It's a. Oh wow! It's what's called a, a, what we call a revamp. We are rewriting the app from. We were rewriting the app from the ground up, and we okay. have to do this every once in a while because the technology has changed so much. Yeah. And if we don't do that, we end up creating a lot of uh, pain points for us in maintaining it. So my job has been, okay, go in, here are all the designs that we are creating. Um, oh, you know what, here, here's the whole, the whole rundown of the way the project worked, uh, has been working is our, so the client came to us and said, we wanna rewrite this app, make it better. We have, here are the designs that we have. And the client started, provided a project manager and project team, and we started working with them to come up with the requirements for it based upon the designs, based upon yeah. feedback from the uh, the overall the the CEO of the company. He was in charge of it too. Um, so once that happened, once we knew what we were creating, my job then was to take what take the designs and the requirements set out by the project manager, who's responsibility is to make sure the project's going to deliver on time and build out the app and take the take everything take these guys vision and just create it and make it and show it off and then on top of that what my uh, other parts of my responsibilities tend to be is i'm the expert like okay. i am the android expert they are not the android expert they only know generally what they want the app to do so it's my job as the Android expert to be aware of everything that Android, all of the capabilities of Android and say, hey, here's this really uh, fun okay. new feature that is coming out. Um, why don't we use this feature and go and play with it and implement it and run? let's try it. And that, that's part of my job and part of my responsibilities as the Android developer or as an Android developer on the project is to be aware of that. So not only am I taking somebody else's vision and implementing it, I'm also helping them in their vision to try and make that um, uh, better, make yeah. it uh, I don't know what a good phrase for that. You're would not be. trying to do the min the minimum like viable job. You're you're trying to make it an amazing. You're trying to build yes. a real product with real yep. amazing features. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. And then the next and soon we're going to be releasing it here, which has been awesome and exciting and exhausting. So nothing has been released for a whole year. You've been working on something. It's not been released for a whole year, or the revamp's not been released. The revamp has not been released. Okay. The previous version has been maintained up okay. until about six weeks ago we stopped okay. supporting it six weeks ago we are no longer releasing anything and unfortunately due to the the situation that we find ourselves in with the pandemic right. um we have had to do a bunch of delays for the release because we are trying to time the release to a certain event and that's mm. getting pushed off which is frustrating for everybody at the yeah. moment Okay, yeah. Um, how many people are, are on your team for this particular project? A lot. <laughs> uh, we have, let's see, we have seven Android engineers, Woo! eight or nine iOS engineers, okay. four, uh, wow. well, four, what we, we call them test engineers. Um, other companies will call them uh, call them quality assurance guys. Yes, uh, but we changed their title to test engineer because they work a lot on automating tests, on writing yeah. um, automated UI tests, 
uh, let's see, then we also have two what we call principal engineers who are, their job is technical quality and making sure everybody is talking to each other. Uh, then we also have two project managers and then one product owner. So it's a team of yeah. over 20, uh, which is one of the biggest teams that we've put together. And is this, is there's, is there multiple projects at your company? This is just one of multiple projects or is this yeah. kind of the core focus? Okay. There's more things, more, more yeah. things than one going on. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So it's very clear to me. I don't know what this product is, but it's very clear that this is a very big product with, you know, when you put that kind of uh, power behind it and if it takes a year with this kind of team to build it, you know that something's cooking, you know that it's, it's, <laughs> it's something, uh, something big. So that's, that's crazy. So my next yeah. follow-up question is, you said, did you say six Android engineers? Uh, six or seven, depending okay. upon what's going on. How do you all work together? How are you assigned features? Like, how, yeah. what is that process like? That's something that we, so a lot of times it's generally feature-based. Uh, what we'll do is we'll say, okay, um, hey, you, so-and-so, uh, Max, you're going to work on the sign-in flow and login flow and, uh, and uh, under that, underarching, um, the overarching feature of that would be signing into the app, uh, creating a new account, forgetting your uh, forgot password stuff. Uh, we would also end up throwing in a bunch of uh, account related stuff, uh, such as changing your password, changing your okay. email, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's, so we'll divvy up the work based upon the feature. And then the person who's working on that feature ends up becoming the expert on the feature. Got it. With that, we also, but we always put up our code and we put it through code review, the code review process so that people can sit and say, okay, your, your code looks good and I'm familiar with what you did so that if you're out on vacation or you get mm. moved to a different project, I can step in and work on the code uh, for uh, with you or for you. For example, great example is recently we had someone who was working on a bug due with uh, search and they got to a certain point with the search feature and they said, I'm going on vacation tomorrow. I can't hmm. finish this. And they're like, I can't make a decision as to whether or not I'm going to spend the whole night finishing up this feature so that it's all good to go. And yeah. I don't have to worry about anything. And well, what we said is why just push up your code, create a, a sample PR. Um, we use GitHub. So okay. I use a lot. Um, so I'll get, uh, terminology and here's my explanation and give us an explanation of what you're doing where your where your thoughts are going and somebody will finish it and lo and behold the next day mm. somebody pulled down the branch and read through their notes looked through everything finished it up the, um finished up the feature within a couple of hours or a couple days and pushed up the feature and boom we mer we approved and merged it in all while the guy was on vacation yeah sounds like there's some really good processes there um, one thing, one question I have, uh, especially with Android, this is a really cool thing to get, cause you have such a big team. Yeah. Um, so you, on, on iPhone, there's different ways of managing this, but on Android, okay, you've got all these major features, right? Yep. Now we got full screen activities. We've got fragments, you know, all these things have to come into the app now without breaking other things, uh, you know, or like in the flow and things like that. So how do you guys, when you finish your feature that might include a full screen of some kind, how do you connect it all together without breaking other people's stuff? Like, I'm just, is there a process for that or is it just all magically work? Magic? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> um, really, it's just, we try to, we try to silo our code within, e within the pro project itself. So, all right, Android has this really, um, really awesome. I don't know how awesome it is actually. Android has this, <laughs> We have this feature of um, where we 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 call it modules, and we can say, all right, one feature is going to be a module, and this other feature is going to be a module, okay. and that's how we set it up. We silo everything within each of those modules, so then your code is not necessarily going to be touching somebody else's code. And at that point, okay. then just the main base, like we have a base feature module that holds some of the basic stuff that we use. Um, so what's it? Uh, a generic example would be, man, I can't think of it. Uh, 
like password validation okay. goes into that because you're you're, you're going to have multiple screens using different passwords. Yeah. And so we'll put that into the base feature. And what we try and uh, do is because there are so many of us, we try to make sure that the features that we are working on are during the, uh, a sprint are completely separate from each other and not like overlapping one. Yeah. Another. Which However, is, is probably good code design to some degree, I would think. It helps. It helps a lot. It's um, very easy now for us to just jump around and pull a module into another module and then use that somewhere else. I mean, again, going back to the sign in feature, because we we put it into a module, it's easy enough for us to use that for uh, whenever someone needs to actually sign in, we just say, here, send you over to the sign in part. We is uh, when you say module, is that is that a specific Android term uh, yeah. of some kind? Okay, yeah. so that is that is that like a framework or a grouping of code or what is that exactly? Uh, think of it as a framework, uh, okay. library type thing. That it, it's think of it as really just think of it as a library or a framework. Um, okay, I know if I remember correctly, iOS, you guys didn't have uh, folder structures for the longest time, right? Everything was all in one folder, all of your code and everything. Jeez, I mean, I've been developing apps since two thousand nine, and I, I always remember having folders, but I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Oh, we oh, just had funny. to, it was funny. We had a, we had a discussion about it recently and we were kind of <laughs> Android developers. We were kind of amazed, like, wait, what? You couldn't, you can't put your code in what a folder in there. It was, <laughs> I, it was weird. I am like, what in the world are you guys talking about? <laughs> um, so is, is your whole app in Kotlin or, or yes. did you choose Java? It's all in Kotlin. Okay. So why Kotlin versus Java? This is a, a, a very one. important question to oh, answer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So the biggest thing with, um, all right. <laughs> the biggest reason is that Kotlin's easier to develop in at this point. It is so nice. It is a, a very modern language, and it's easy enough for us to go and pick it up and go and do a bunch of things. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm getting distracted by notifications. And I get yeah, you feel free to turn feel free to turn them off. It's all good. <laughs> Just a moment. <laughs> uh, I feel bad. Oh. I I learned the hard way. I, I like now I have to like go through a process of do not disturbing like my five devices that are on my desk. Otherwise, if a FaceTime comes in, I'll get it ringing on three different screens. You know, stuff like that. Oh yeah, I know that's the worst part. Uh, all right, okay. <laughs> um, so main the main reason is that it is modern the modern language. But on top of that, Google is develop starting to develop in Kotlin now, like. Android, the okay. Android uh, libraries that we use, the Android frameworks that we use provided to, for us by Google are, are primarily written in Kotlin now. Granted, there's still Java holdovers, but they are in the process of converting those Java uh, language or Java language files over to Kotlin. So okay. that's part of it. Uh, other parts of it are there's a lot of uh, neat little features on it. So I did a post a little while ago on Kotlin versus Java. And one of the nice little things that we get from it, it from using Kotlin versus Java is we have less of a chance of a null pointer exception. So in Java, everything gets in when you instantiate a variable by, um, by default, it gets to be null and you can make anything null and null has been i forget who made the quote he said it's like the billion dollar mistake to allow null into computer languages because one of the biggest issues is these null pointer exceptions that we get where you try to use a variable that has been uh you've you've said hey uh string name and you never provided a value to it and then you start trying to do something with it and it's null and the JVM just like dies on you because it has no idea how to handle that. Yeah. Kotlin forces you to give every variable a value when you first yeah. use it. Like you can't set it, um, you can't set it to null unless you explicitly say, I'm going to set you to null. Yeah. This is just exactly what Swift did. It's like, it's like hearing yeah. the same, same exact thing. Yeah. Oh, dude. It's like a safety net. Dude, I'm like, I am convinced that eventually Swift and Kotlin are going to merge. These <laughs> two languages are like, yeah, I can read Swift code and you can read Kotlin code. And it's yeah, like, these are it was not the, the other day in the uh, Android Academy, someone had had posted this code and 
it it was Swift, and I was they were like, "Is this right?" And I was like, "Actually, I think you're posting Swift code here. That this uh, maybe you're in the wrong channel." And then I felt stupid afterwards because it was Kotlin code, and it was the exact same line of code in Kotlin and in Swift. It, it was like, "Oh, I had no idea." <laughs> it is. It's so cool. I love it that it's like now we can sit and we can talk to. Um, we can talk to each other about how, how we're doing stuff because it's all very similar. Yeah. Under the hood, it's probably not, yeah, but yeah. whatever the syntax is basically the same at this point. And it's, it's awesome. I love it. Um, so when people ask me all the time, Mark, should I learn Java or Kotlin and Android? What is your answer? Kotlin. Kotlin. Yeah. Will you ever encounter Java in your career as an Android developer? Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. So, but my, my big thing is always Kotlin because I'm seeing more and more job postings that are coming out that are requiring Kotlin. They okay. say, we want Kotlin. We need you to come and, or when you come in, you need to know Kotlin or you need to be able to learn Kotlin on the job. Okay. Now, granted, if you know Java, you can learn Kotlin very quickly. Um, it's not that big of a deal uh, to switch transition over. Now, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to encounter Java as an Android developer, no matter what. But to be honest, again, it's very similar. It, it, there are just like a few little concepts that are different between the two of them that you need to be aware of, such as null, like the, the yeah. nullability stuff. But you know one, you're gonna know the other. And I yeah. encourage people to learn Kotlin because it's just, it's fun to use. Yeah. yeah. I can't tell you how many programmers that I've seen and talked to who've made the jump from Java to Kotlin and they're like, I love programming love it. again. Yeah. Yep. It was the same thing with Objective C to Swift. It, it it's yeah. a lo logical logical step for both platforms. Uh, that's that's exciting. You know what? One thing, so I sent you some questions, but one question I have now because I didn't realize how big of a team you worked on. You know, a lot of people who are listening like they want to get into Android. You know, and this is this is going to be super valuable for them. And so like when you guys are bringing on like new Android developers, you know, how do you hire them? How do you choose them? What are you looking for in a candidate? Uh, I'm, I'm sure being an Android expert, you have some insight into some of that process. It is a long process, honestly. Okay. Um, so the company that I work at works extremely hard at uh, vetting everybody. And okay. it's not just looking for technical excellence. It's also a, a values-based uh, uh, interviews as well. Uh, generally, the process begins with you. Um, so the uh, just quick overview process of the interview. It it starts with uh, one or two uh, vetting uh, interviews, where a technical recruiter will call you up and talk to you and just get a ask you some baseline questions to make sure that you, you know <laughs> you're not some doofus who's trying to apply for something and you yeah, have I no can build I can build about. Android ass with JavaScript yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> um, then it goes through like another vetting process where okay. you have a technical person asking you some basic questions who's a technical person like a, a Android an developer yep okay it'll be an Android developer uh, if if we're talking Android okay, it'll be yeah. a web developer if it's a web someone somebody a lot of it depends upon what you're applying for but it's going to be somebody who knows the technology field that you're applying for so Got if it. you're applying for ios ios android android anyway um then you'll go through that process and if you're good to go we'll give you a um a project like a take-home project particularly if you don't have any um so this and this is where i'm going to make my big push if you are learning program or if you programming or if you want to get a job or you want to get noticed by um, to be, get interviews by uh, companies and stuff, you need to create projects. You need to show off your work. You need to show all of that stuff off because one of the biggest issues then becomes once you get your uh, your take home project and you pass that you come and you come into us uh, and we bring you on site for a day of interviews and it is a day it is 8 30 mm -hmm. in the morning to 5 30 at night okay or your constant interviews and i will be honest every minute of that day you are being evaluated from the moment you walk in that door and you greet the receptionist you are being okay evaluated on multiple levels from character to, to who this person is to yes code and yep. everything in between like how you interact with people how you talk to people uh, everything is, is evaluated and, and they, like this is one of the few companies where we really do 
spend a lot of time evaluating people. Um, we'll take people out for lunch uh, and that in and of itself, while it may seem like it's not, it's really just to show off a few things and, and okay. introduce you to a few stuff. It's also an interview and it's very important that you come in and, and you can, it's basically the airport test. Uh, have you ever heard of that one? I haven't. What is that? What is that? It's a, it's a question that you ask yourself when you interview someone. When you interview them, you ask yourself, would I want to spend an hour sitting at the airport with this person? Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's, interesting. I can't remember who created it, but it's basically just, you know, you're at an airport. You're not really doing anything. You're waiting for the, uh, yeah. the plane to come. Do you want a, someone interesting that you're talking to? Yeah. And that's, that's what we cool. look for. Uh, but and but back to the technical stuff, like if you don't have any projects, we're going to start asking you um, technical interview questions. And unless you practice that and you've gotten yourself prepped and ready for that stuff, you're you may have some trouble with it. But if what is it? Is it like you go online and code in front of somebody or they just Q&A's yeah. like, how does it how does it it's start all over? It's all over the place. OK, um, so sometimes we'll pose you the pose people real world uh, scenarios like, all right, you have to build this UI uh, for like a sign in screen. How are you going to go about doing that? OK, what yeah. are you going to do what's your thought process? And we're evaluating you uh, a lot on all right, how much do you know about the system? What are you choosing to use? What are you actually using an architecture? So that's a big one uh, to to kind of position yourself properly. Like a design pattern, architecture, yes. got it. Um, are you using some, something like MVP, MVVM, MV, all of those things? Um, yeah. Are you using a visitor pattern or are you using like things like that? We're looking for those types of, of answers, um, okay. particularly if you want to get into the senior levels. Uh, for a college student, we understand that you're really not going to have a ton of, like, if you don't have an app in the app store, we get it. But, and so we're going to ask you questions about what you learned from college. And if Do you guys look for those like lower level people too, at some point in the process, like. Oh, uh, big time. Okay. Why, so, why, 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 why heavy, them? Heavy college uh, recruiting. A lot of it is because it, it's the, you know, it's weird. Uh, weird. No, it's not weird. It's more of they tend to be people that we can work with and influence and teach them and, and show them how to yeah. become better developed. Hungry to learn, hungry to yes. achieve and do. Yep. And, and you know, and, and on top of that, we also have, um, we pull in people who don't have a te technical background, who have learned it uh, through boot camps, who have learned it through online courses and stuff. But again, I'm, I'm coming back to this. You, you have to have projects at that point. Yeah. Like you've got to be showing off your work and, and going through that. And again, it's a, it's a long process and you'll have multiple technical interviews, but then you're also going to have soft skill interviews where you're talking with some of the principals and you're talking with some of the HR people who are just going to talk to you about things and get to know you. Yeah. Um, most of the interviews that we try to conduct are conversational types. We, That's great, which is which brings the stress level way down for people yeah. who are coming in. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it's great. Like for me, whenever I'm interviewing for some sort of a position, I always look at it like, okay, when I walk away from the interview, was the interview an interview or was it a conversation? And if it was a conversation, I know things went well, and that's what we try to strive for when we're talking with these people. Like, you know, it lets the candidate know that you are your people too. I, I've been in interviews where you come on, you still don't even know anything about what's going on. And there's like six people there and right out of the gate, it's like, what do you do this, this and this, and this, they're asking all these questions yep. and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so intimidated, you know? And uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's nice to fire. It's nice for a candidate to be able to see the human on the other side and, and get a sense of, of oh, the, yeah. the personality behind the company too. Oh yeah. And we try to, we try to keep our, um, interview pro our, our interviewers, um, like as varied as possible from people who are super senior and have been around forever to people who have been around for only a couple of years. And we try to get that in. We try to, uh, and like I said, we try to get people who are talking to you from an HR perspective of, Hey, is this person going to, do they fit in with the core values of the company and are they going to be a good team player? Yeah. So, and, and that's a, a big one is the team player aspect of it. How they interact with other people and, yes. and work with them. Yeah. That's, yep. that's huge. Um, I have a question about the, uh, so from the first interview to 
let's say a job offer, at least at your company, like what's the yeah. average time span between that? Be honest, it depends. Um, so for, for college graduates, we are we will probably generally move very quickly because they because if you are a college graduate and we know that you are, we're able to um, put you into a certain like we're able to pull you yeah. in. At you can assess times. the situation pretty well. Yeah, we know where you're coming. We kind of know yeah. where you're coming from too, and we also kind of know. Um, it's the timing of it, the timing in the year too, that really uh, ki uh, kicks it. And if you're not a college graduate and you're kind of gra uh, applying in the spring or something or, or the mid fall, it's going to be very uh, varied as well. We try to keep it in under a month though. Okay. Great. Um, which, which, you know, you, with that in mind, I would guess that your company has a very low uh, turnaround uh, for, yeah. for employees. Yes, it's yeah. it's above um, it's above. Oh man, I'm trying to remember the last numbers we checked, but last time I heard it, it was above seventy percent retention, which is unheard of. That's in great. Many of the software companies, like there, are, many of them are around forty percent retention. Yeah, you know, and this is a great thing to point out here is you know so, sometimes I talk about you know going and. and Launch, getting yourself into a startup, and yes, a startup may may hire you quickly, uh, and you may gain some skills fast. But also, startups have high turnaround rates, yes. uh, and there's often inexperienced, you know, CEOs and HR people, if they even have HR people. And so, yeah, it, you're more apt <laughs> to find conflict and frustration. Uh, yeah. In addition to the skills and stuff, whereas um, in, in this type of situation with with your company, you're you're apt to find safety, security, good people you can work with for a very long time, yep. uh, because both sides have been you know uh, properly vetted. So there's some we. We started yeah. out, it was like 10 people. We, so the company started out right around the time that Apple released the uh, SDK for I, um, the iPhone. Yeah. Started out around 10 people. It took them probably six years before they actually hired an HR person. And that was, um, and they they did, they had some turnaround, but it wasn't that bad. It was okay. uh, pretty good uh, to have that. But then once they uh, reached a certain point, they started realizing, yeah, we needed an HR person to help us out here. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, another question is, uh, so, since you have the experience with all these Android people, um, what kind of salary ranges are you seeing from the most junior level to the most senior level um, in this industry or in your experience? So... Um, I live in a rather cheap area. Uh, it's kind of so that does kind of skew the numbers. But I w I've seen salaries ranging from 65 up to 200. So now that's all going to depend upon your skill level. Generally, and I'm, I'm talking about Android. So that's yeah. in the Android realm. OK, that's in the right. Android realm. iOS realm. I don't know. Uh, same with web or uh, t uh, test engineering. Sure. So generally, you come out of the uh, you come out of college and it's going to be like the lowest I've ever seen is 65. Okay. And which but, for a lot of people, that's like, that's the lowest. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what's so funny is I, I honestly didn't realize how, how high that was until I started hearing some um, salary numbers around. Um, so like to be in the top 20% of the U S you have to be making between 40 and 80 a year. And that's top 20. That's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. Um, to be in the top 1%, it's around, it's a, a little bit above 200 a year. So like if you're an, uh, a senior engineer making around 200, you could literally be yep. in the top 1% of, yep. of earners in the United States. That's, that's insane. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, junior coming out of college, lowest I've seen is 65, but for the most part, you're going to be 70 to 85 range. Um, Next level up, you'll be between 80 and high 90s. Uh, I'm actually, uh, um, so then the next level up there is going to change quite a bit depending upon your, uh, the area you're in and the company that you're at. Uh, so that the level three, what I would call level, a level three would be kind of, 120 to 150 but okay. on top of that it may not be that high you may end up being in the 105 to 120 range plus stock options 
Got it. So that's going to be uh, that right there is a, a bit of a deciding factor as well because those stock options can be uh, pretty big. Uh, then you start getting to the super senior levels and you're, you're definitely looking at closer to 200. Um, and at that point, are you doing a little more than just writing code? You, maybe you're doing some yeah. architecting or, or better, more planning or. You're, so at that level, at the company that I'm at you, so most of the people, so we call them principal engineers, um, okay. them, uh, like 90% of them have not written code, a uh, client code in over a year. Uh, they are people, they are generally people who have been around for a very long time. And what we want them to do is, is to be a mentors. So their job is to be there to help the junior developers and okay. work with them to develop their career path and be, and move along their career. That's path. awesome. The next, uh, another, uh, next responsibility is, uh, project, uh, overall project quality. Uh, their job is to just kind of make, keep an eye on the code and, and understand, are we actually following coding best practices? Um, are we following proper security measures with our code as well? Um, then another aspect of theirs is project oriented. They'll work closely with the client and our project management to basically lay out the roadmap of the project and say, hey, this is where we should be going. They give technical advice yeah. uh, saying, hey, this feature that you want, it's going to be a lot. It's going to require a lot of work. And so their their job is, is very different than what my job is. Uh, some of them do write client code, but not a lot. Um, yeah. But in it, but their main focus is that mentor, like the mentoring yeah. part of it is the big one for everybody. That's awesome. I, I, and, you know, one sign that I think of a, of a company that you might want to work for a good company is a company that cares about its people and training them and in, in working with them, you know, when you grow people, uh, it, it creates a much better environment. So that's really cool that you guys, you guys do that over there. Yeah. Um, well, so we're, uh, I want to wrap up here pretty soon to keep, keep things moving along here. But, um, so what is your best advice for people who want to get into Android development? Like this sounds exciting. I want to do this. Yeah. How, what's your best advice? One is find, so best advice I could give, it would be find a project that you want to work on something that you want to do. Um, the simplest ones that I can give people tend to be, uh, to do app to do list apps. Uh, those, yeah, sure. They're a dime a dozen on the, on the play store and the app store, but they're, they're a great way to introduce you into it. And then once you start, once you kind of decide that what you, um, and I, I, what project that you want, then you can start breaking that down and learning, okay, I need to learn the language first. Okay. What are some places where I can go and I can start learning that. Then you start moving into beyond the language, the, okay, how do I, how do I do X? How do I do Y? Yeah. Um, and the reason why I always suggest that type of stuff is it actually really forces you to sit down and plan things out and think about it and give you all of the tools and all of the aspects that you need to be able to go into those, these interviews and talk yeah. intelligently about the, the project. I love how you're talking. What you're really saying here is is project based learning, yes. uh, you know, versus versus you know you know watch a video, cop, copy yep. along some lines of code, or just filling with an editor or something like that. Yeah, I I know a lot of people who go through tutorial after tutorial, yeah. and, and they create the projects along with the tutorial, and that's great. Go do that, please do that. That's how you're going to learn the basics. But along the side of that, you should pick a project that you want to work on, and then learn and and work on it on the side as well, because that's yeah. Uh, that's big. It enforces so much or reinforces yeah. so much. And by the way, by the way, that's, and that's one of the things about you. So for those of you listening or watching, you know, Alan, uh, he helped me to create and just run the, uh, DevSlips Android Academy, which is our 16 week immersive bootcamp where, where it's like coaching focus. So by the way, if you want, if you want Alan to be your personal programming coach and mentor, join the DevSlips Academy. But, uh, my, my point is the project-based learning, you know, I, I just, I love your approach in this, your outlook on all of these things. Uh, and even, you know, as you're explaining the interview process at your company, right. You know, it's very clear, right. People we're, we're looking yep. for human beings to join companies. We're looking for yes. people who can do multiple things. We're looking for people who can build real projects, right. It's, it's not about, you know, who always, it's not always about who can write the quickest algorithm. You know, it, there's so many other things in, involved in that uh, in that process. So I really like your 
outlook and approach on that. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Instagram's uh, so, the best way. Yeah, Instagram's the best way to actually reach out and uh, talk to me. Um, the uh, my Instagram handle is underscore Alan Hill underscore <laughs> Alan with one L. Don't make yep. the mistake I made. So A L A N H I L L. Right. The other uh, other place you can go and you can find me is uh, my personal website, thrivemobile.co, T H R I V E M O B I L E dot C O. Yes. Um, that'll take you to my Instagram too. Awesome. And then, and of course the third place uh, you can work with him is DevSlips Academy. Uh, and, and the con by the way, the content's fantastic. I, I get people <laughs> just <you>. telling me <laughs> all the time. They're just, they're loving and making so much project progress. So, uh, last question off the cuff here. Uh, what is your favorite book of all time? That's an easy one for me. <laughs> What's that? Uh, the moon is a harsh mistress by Robert A. Heinlein. That What's is, that about? Uh, so, think uh it's a sci-fi book written back in the 60s and the um the idea the premise is the moon is a penal colony and everybody uh who does goes against the the law on earth ends up getting shipped shipped off to the um to the moon it's like australia i think australia Australia (laughs) used to be a penal colony for the brit uh for the brits yeah okay and everybody got shipped off there um anyway so because it's a penal colony it started create they started creating their own society started uh people started having kids there (laughs) and it's an exploration of their society and how they want to uh how they want to become independent and independent uh achieve their independence from earth and it's all about that revolution and that is been one of the most influential books in my life (laughs) i want to check that out that's that's cool i've been reading a lot lately so awesome uh well thank you so much this is it thanks so much for uh coming today thank you everyone for listening in or watching uh alan is very engaged on instagram i see it all the time he chats with people that's underscore alan hill underscore on on instagram and uh thanks a lot thank you it was great talking Thank you so much for listening in today. If you've liked what you heard, go ahead and click that subscribe button. You'll get notified every time a new episode comes out, and it'll also help us to grow this channel. And if you'd like to learn how to code, you can always visit us at devslopes.com with our coaching and mentorship-based learning. See you next time.